This episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Browns fans, the Super Bowl is decided, and the Rat Turds are not going to be there. It's the Chiefs taking on the San Francisco 49ers on February 11th, but before the big game, make sure you guys get your orders in at Omaha Steaks. Don't throw your Super Bowl parties or, you know, even your Valentine's Day meals because, let's face it, that's coming up too, guys, real fast. Do not host these events without the best meats and foods available from Omaha Steaks. Right now, when you order at omahasteaks.com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, you will get four free pork chops and four free boneless chicken breasts with your order. That's eight free additional items when you place your order right now at omahasteaks.com slash dogs. I've been saying it forever. Best steaks, best burgers, steak burgers. Oh my gosh. The best chicken, the best ready to eat meals, the desserts for Valentine's Day. I'm telling you, you make sure you add the caramel apple tartlets to your order. She's going to love them. So go now, get it in time for all the big things happening coming up here in February, omahasteaks.com slash dogs. Minimum purchase may apply. The big news of the week for the Browns. Uh, hiring Ken Dorsey to be our offensive coordinator. I'm not going to lie, and especially if you, if you follow us on Twitter, formerly your ex, formerly known as Twitter, as soon as the news broke, I, I, I retweeted it and was like, I freaking hate this move. And you said that on last week's show whenever the Browns had already brought in Ken Dorsey for an interview, and you said, pretty sure this is the quote, I want no part of Ken Dorsey. Yeah, I wanted no part of him. Um and, and now that I, I so I, then I took time, it was kind of coming from a place of ignorance. It was kind of on the surface. You look Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator of the bills. They got better when he was gone. They won more games, went on a streak after he got fired. We don't want this guy. Then you start to look a little bit deeper and you're like, well, actually their offense wasn't statistically better. Correct. Uh, when he left, it got worse. They did. I think at least from what I can tell, they ran the ball more took the ball away from Josh Allen some, uh, so he couldn't turn it over as much. Yeah, and they said the defensive improve, or the defensive side of the ball improved over that second half of the season. So it's kind of like a double-edged thing where the defense was sucking the first half. They were 5-5, five and five and yeah. And, but one thing that was, that was brought to my attention that I definitely, and I kind of knew this based on him being on my fantasy team, um, Stephon Diggs with Ken Dorsey this year played 10 games, had 73 catches, 868 yards, and seven touchdowns. Wait, how many yards? So 868. I didn't realize he had that many. Okay. Wow. Okay. In the nine games without Ken Dorsey this year, he had 44 catches, 388 yards, and one touchdown. I know he got, he, he like disappeared. Like, yes. It, trust me. It cost me. <laughs> I know. I remember. Yes. Yeah, you were. He, he just, and I'm not, I'm not saying like, force feed him the ball but at the end of the day stefan diggs is outside of josh allen he is their best offensive weapon and they had people talking like stefan diggs was all of a sudden washed well then why in the first 10 games i mean he was on track for uh 1600 yards 1700 yards and uh 14 15 touchdowns he's not washed they just uh the offense didn't get better like you said the defense got better they maybe they became more balanced i know i do know that ken dorsey is not a run the ball kind of guy he 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 builds his offense very quarterback centric very quarterback dependent now i know browns fans probably don't want to hear this that's the way the browns are going to go i know people were kind of giving me crap on twitter about my initial reaction the more i think about it i i still i think i want kevin to call plays still 
Me okay. too. I think I still want Kevin to call plays. I've seen a lot of people saying that is a bad thing. Like, what's it matter? Who cares if it's Ken Dorsey or somebody else? Kevin's never going to give up play calling. And my response keeps being, okay, do well, we want him to give up play calling? Yeah, he's good at it, turns out. Um, but if he does give up play calling, I'm still not going to. I heard, I saw a thing from Terry Pluto. I don't know. He obviously reports on the Browns and writes books. I don't know how in the know he is, though, with current locker room. Uh, talk. He did say that there's serious consideration of Ken Dorsey calling plays, but it's it hasn't been officially decided yet. Um, but I I do think no matter what happens, Kevin Stefanski is going to have a firm grip on the offense, and I don't think it's going to just turn into Deshaun's not going to be coming out here throwing the ball 60 times a game, and we're just going to completely abandon the run game. I think the way this this works out well for the Browns is it's like a a, a marriage between yeah. what Kevin want, likes to do and then what Ken Dorsey likes to do. I think if we can blend these two offenses together, it could be something like really good. You know what I mean? If you can run game concepts mm-hmm. and you mix in what Ken Dorsey can bring in the pass game. So like what some people don't know about Ken Dorsey, and I didn't even know this until I started you know, looking this up, he was the quarterback's coach for um, Carolina when Cam Newton, I think it was his MVP season. Yes, I actually have a... Do you want me to go ahead and kind of go go through some of this stuff? Okay, so Ken Dorsey, when he first got into the NFL, was the QB coach for the Panthers, like you said, from 2013 to 2017. Ken Dorsey guided Cam Newton to 17,154 yards and 118 touchdowns in four seasons. I broke that down. That means Newton averaged 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns a season with Dorsey as his quarterback coach. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's been credited for helping guide Newton to the 2015 MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, and the Super Bowl appearance that season. And Cam Newton, after Dorsey was hired away from Carolina by the Bills, Cam Newton came out and said, I credit a lot of my success to Ken Dorsey. He is an extremely hard and efficient worker. He made my life as easy as possible. Not only is he a hard worker, but he has a vibrant killer instinct. He's a known, proven winner over the years. So then he was the quarterback, got hired as the quarterback's coach in 2019. So it's not like he got promoted to offensive coordinator. He came over to Buffalo as the quarterback coach. Josh Allen had a 17.4 increase in his quarterback rating that season. It was the largest improvement of any quarterback in that season. So Josh Allen took his leap when uh, Ken Dorsey came over to Buffalo. In 2020, Josh Allen was second in MVP voting. So there, he has... Cam Newton win an MVP as Josh Allen's second in MVP voting. This is pretty good track record. Uh, Josh, Josh Allen had a 69.2 completion percentage, 4,544 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, eight games with 300-plus passing yards. Those were all team records. He put another nine touchdowns in on the ground. And then in 21, Dorsey's promoted to passing game coordinator, still not the OC. Josh Allen had a 149 QB rating in the playoffs for the whole playoffs. Most all time for somebody who passed for over 50 or threw over 50 passes in the postseason. Then in 2022 promoted to OC in Buffalo. Uh, and I, th- I know a thing. Some people are like, why are you guys giving him so much credit for some of these quarterback stats uh, when he's just like their quarterbacks coach? He's not, you know, he's not the offensive coordinator. What are two things that you could probably say like Cam Newton and Josh Allen had in common coming into the league and maybe even throughout their careers? 
mechanics, raw you, you prospects, know, raw. Mm-hmm. That you know, not necessarily projects because they they were they were drafted high, but they were looked at as raw. I, Josh I, Allen was small school. Yes. I would say he's more of a project. Yeah, probably. I mean Cam. I mean Cam Newton was from Auburn, won national championship, but Josh right. Allen definitely from the small school and definitely seen as a raw talent. Had the huge arm, was super athletic, but he he completed under sixty percent of his passes Accuracy in college. Was bad. Yes, yeah. and even his first year, it was his first year, maybe two. I'm not exactly I think it was sure two. when. Um, like his accuracy wasn't great. And then he took that huge leap once Ken, when Ken Dorsey comes in to be his quarterback's coach. So he, he knows how to coach up a mobile quarterback who maybe isn't like the most, like you got your guys like Tom Brady where it's all mechanics, you know what I mean? Right. Cause he's just not like a freak athlete. You know, you get guys like Josh Allen and Cam Newton coming up a lot through their careers. They, they were just so much more athletic, bigger, faster, stronger, big arm than everybody they played against. And they were able to rely on that and dominate the competition. You get to the NFL where everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. It comes down to mechanics. So let's move into 2023 this season. So this is what everybody's kind of talking about. Uh, this is kind of where I think your initial reaction to Ken Dorsey. I mean, mine too. I mean, honestly, when I saw the Browns were bringing him in, I was like, really? I mean, I didn't know a whole lot about him. But once I started digging, it was like, okay, this is interesting. So the Bills were five and five before he was fired, but the Bills were also second in points scored, third in DVOA, first in success rate, fourth in QBR, third in yards per play, second in third down conversion rate, third in red zone efficiency, second in rush expected points added, eighth in drop back expected points added, third in total expected points added per play. And Josh Allen was number one in EPA plus CPOE composite. I don't know what the hell all that stuff means (laughs) exactly, but I do see a lot of top 10 and mostly top three. In, in most of these categories. Yeah, like you said, it was a lot of defense and, and Josh Allen turning the ball over. Well, and that's just kind of his style of play too. Like he's not afraid to just chuck it, you know, and chuck it and F it. So it's he's just... gunslinger. It's, yeah, it just, I mean, you get that with it. It comes with the territory, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, so I put in here a lot of people saying, and I've seen this all over the place, he was the scapegoat, you know, for, for everything. And I think there might be some truth to that. There was... We talked about the poor defensive play in that those first 10 games and the massive drop-off from Diggs after that. And then the running backs, I, I didn't know this, they had four lost fumbles that led to scores for the opponent during those first 10 games. So, you know, the, the losses is almost like they did blame Ken Dorsey for it whenever I don't think really he it was his fault. And then if you look at these stats, and this is where people were sending us the stats, you know, the the graphics and things. The Bills dropped in every category. They went down to sixth in points scored. They were second. Fourth in red zone efficiency, they were third. So basically stayed the same. Sixth in total EPA, they were third. Eighth in drop back EPA, that was the same. But they dropped to seventh in rushing EPA, they were second. Josh Allen dropped all the way to ninth in that EPA CPOE composite. He was number one. And he uh, kind of stayed the same as far as QBR goes. Um, the last thing, though, that I wanted to say about Dorsey is about that run game. So I alluded to that earlier because I was reading this, and I think it was on Brown's Wire earlier, and they were talking about how Stefanski runs more of like a pin and pull outside zone run scheme, which we all saw was not good this year. Just wasn't good. It wasn't efficient. It sucked. We, we, we were terrible on the ground for the most part. So I know we lost Nick Chubb, but that drop-off in efficiency, that wasn't just a running back skill thing, in my opinion. I, I think it had a lot to do with the scheme. I was looking at next-gen stats, NFL next-gen stats. Jerome Ford was the second least efficient running back in the NFL. 
this season. I did see a thing, though, that maybe will surprise you. And it surprised me. And again, I'm not saying he was great or anything. Mm-hmm. Did you, Jerome Ford had over 1,100 all purpose yards and like a pretty decent amount of touchdowns. He did. And that's, I think John the one day said he's kind of like what Saquon Light, where it's <laughs> like, here's a yard, here's a yard, here's a yard, boom, home run, 50 yard run. And it's like, okay. But yeah, I mean, I'm not taking any away from like Jerome's season on, on the whole. It was good. You put up good numbers, but well, over, you said not efficient, not efficient. It was very right. high usage to get, to get some of that. Right. So, and then again, this is all coming from NFL next gen stats. So they had him listed as the second least efficient running back in the NFL. And he also had the highest time behind the line of scrimmage that, of that's any what, running that's, back in the NFL. And I think that is what killed Browns fans on him this year. Yep. It, it, it just, you could see it. He was just dancing behind the line. Some of it was lateral, lateral, lateral. Yes. You know, no huge holes for him to run through. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just make the hole. You just put your head down and run through a couple arm tackles and get three yards. Yeah. So Kareem Hunt was the seventh least efficient running back. So both of our running backs were not efficient this year. And then I went back and I looked, okay, well, what happened last year in 22 when uh, Ken Dorsey was running the offense in Buffalo and Devin Singletary was their lead running back. He was the seventh most efficient running back in the league. Okay. I mean, that, that could be him, could be Dorsey, whatever, but his time behind the line of scrimmage was 2.72 to compare Fords this season. Remember he was the last was 3.16 and the highest in 2022 was actually Nick Chubb at 3.1 time behind the line of scrimmage. So this run scheme almost forces the running backs because now it's not just Ford and Hunt that are have a high time behind the line of scrimmage. It was also Nick Chubb last year. He had the mo- uh, highest last year. Yeah, he, I did not know that. No. And again, you can look at this a couple different ways. You know who else probably had a super high time behind the line of scrimmage? It would have been like prime Le'Veon Bell. That was definitely his running style. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so like if, if your running back is, the problem is you there's a difference between patience and indecisiveness. <laughs> that's you know what that I mean? very Nick true. Chubb is a very patient back. He will, he will, he will wait, wait, wait. He's setting up his block, but he knows where he's going. Then he makes his cut and goes. Okay. Jerome Ford is, it, it wasn't, he's waiting to set up a block. It's he's searching where to go. You know what I mean? Totally agree. And, and so I think there's a difference between patience and indecisiveness. Uh, Gates has bla- draft Blake Corum. I definitely think that's an option for the Browns if you can get him at a certain uh, place in the draft. Uh, Devontae Travis says, um, he said it on the Facebook post, air raid offense, more spread, two to three wide receivers on the field, moving guys around the field. A good coach will always correct the small things like a DW4 uh, play action fix. I totally agree. Those are things you can work on. You, I mean, you hell, you got Joe Flacco film now of – of him doing these play action that you can, you can make a cut up and show Deshaun coming into next year. Like look at how Joe carries out these fakes. Look what it opens up for him in the passing game. And you can use that as a teaching point um, to, to the Browns fans who might be worried. Like, Oh, we went and got this guy. We're talking air raid. We're going to be throwing the ball around. Like welcome to the modern NFL mm-hmm. um, because and I know it, it sucks. We don't know one when Chubb is going to be able to play. He, he- most likely started the year on pup. Yes, we so we don't know. Two, you don't know what he's gonna be like when you when you get him back. Yeah, you know what I mean. So and and we we traded three first round draft picks and we paid Deshaun two hundred thirty million. He's gonna be the you don't do that to make this guy be a game manager. 
What's up, Ohio? Don't miss out on this fantastic offer from DraftKings for the big game. New customers who sign up with our promo code, the dogs, all one word, and place a $5 first bet will instantly receive $200 in bonus bets. You'll get eight $25 bonus bet tokens, allowing you to make multiple wagers with your reward. These tokens are valid for seven days, giving you time to find your favorite bets. If you download the DraftKings app before the big game, make sure to sign up with our code THEDOGS to get your $200 of bonus bets. This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in Ohio. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. This episode is brought to you by Danger Coffee. So, uh, Browns fans, did you guys all know that 45% of the world's coffee beans contain mold toxins? Because I didn't. And apparently, coffee beans can contain dangerous mold toxins from the way they're grown or stored. Now, don't freak out. Most of that coffee, I, I guess, contains low enough levels of toxins that you probably don't need to be overly concerned. Why even take the risk? Danger Coffee is third-party lab tested to ensure every coffee bean is free from mold toxins. So you can start your day off right knowing your fresh morning brew is not only delicious, but it's also safe to drink. I start every morning now with my Browns thermos filled with nice, hot danger coffee. And this stuff tastes amazing. I don't, I don't have to worry about any of that mold toxin crap and I get to enjoy a delicious cup of coffee. Head to DangerCoffee.com and use our code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, for 10% off your order. And that code can be used over and over. So you get 10% off every order with code DOGS at DangerCoffee.com. Since you were sick on Monday, we did not get your opinion on the Ken Dorsey hire. So Browns bring in Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator. What say you? Okay, so... At first, when it first came through, a little disappointed. I'll be honest. I, I, um, you know, we had kind of all talked like on the show and just, you know, like with, we talked with Browns fans in general. I thought we kind of needed uh, an innovator, you know, somebody, a, a young guy coming in and, you know, maybe cook some things up and maybe a different perspective for Kevin Stefanski. Um, I took a couple of days and uh, did a little reading, did a little research. Um, and, you know, I, I came away with a, a few things, right? The biggest one I came away with was Kevin Spence is going to be playing, you know, calling plays next year. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that that's going to change now. Um, the interesting thing, and it's not, I'm not even sold on it. I don't hate it or love it. But if you look at this guy's career, he's been a huge part of the development of some guys, right? So you have him with Cam Newton in 2015 MVP season. Um, you look at Josh Allen's growth. You know, when uh, he was drafted, he's kind of linked in there. Um, say what you want about when he became a play caller with Buffalo. You know, there's definitely some alarming things that happened. But if you look at what Buffalo was the last few years, as far as like explosive offense um, and then just what Josh Allen has become in this league, I think it all comes down to they needed a guy that Deshaun Watson could develop and just kind of I don't want to say like grow with because I think he's an excellent player already I think that his upside is you know this upside you've seen it already we've we've witnessed how good he can be but I think that they just need to get back to what works for him and so if bringing in this guy is is the key to that I think that this is a it's an interesting move I don't know if it's a win I like even now I sit here and I'm like did we rush the decision I think I think mm. they kind of wanted Kellen Moore a little bit, you know. Oh, I did, think that. Okay. 
I think I think that that's really like the guy that they were kind of targeting. Kellen and Moore, maybe there's some other would have definitely demanded play calling duties. There's no way he would have sure. taken a demotion for in that sure. department. I agree, but um, so if I look at it like that, I I'm I'm open to it, and I've always been a a very big big believer of the front office, right? So I feel like you can't sit here and go, hey. Andrew Barry's a genius, but then question every decision that he makes. Uh, I'm I'm a guy that trusts the process kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like, and I and I really do. I like what they've done for the most part as far as through the draft, free agency, players they've brought in. Um, so for me, I'm I'm letting this play out. Uh, that's my personal opinion of it. Um, but if you look, his track record up until this year had been pretty good. He, you know he. He was involved in a lot of like success for a lot of guys. So yeah. it's interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing about, you know, you said trust the process, trust the front office and everything. Just because we always say, you know, the front office, this is like the best front office we've ever had. Coaching staff, Kevin Stefanski, these guys are awesome. Doesn't mean they're perfect. They they still make mistakes. But the thing that I've noticed over the last four seasons now with this consistency in the front office and the coaching staff, they don't really make the same mistakes twice. So, and Andrew Barry talked about that in his press conference last week, where they asked him about his growth development over the last four years since he became the general manager of the Browns. And he said, I've learned the most from my failures, meaning whenever I, I make a hire or I select a, a draft pick or I sign a guy and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, I learn from that. And I think that's key. I mean, everybody says, oh yeah, I learned from my mistakes, but I think these guys actually do. You feel right. that way? And I, and I don't sense panic. Like, Right. Uh, that was that was my first thing that I was worried about. Like, as soon as the news broke, I felt like it was, I didn't know if it was a rush decision, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm like, did they did they just go, oh, Kellen's off the table? Crap, we got to go get somebody right now. Like, that that was my fear of it. And then just when I when I did a little background on it and, you know, because I don't know how, what kind of feedback you're getting from Browns fans. Like, the Browns fans I talk to go, yeah, probably not my guy. You mixed. know what I mean? I a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of different guys. Me and I talked to one of my buddies. He said, you know, I think maybe we could have hung around and seen what, you know, Clay Kubiak wanted to, wanted to do, you know, if maybe he wanted to come to Cleveland. Right. Um, but um, I, like I said, I think you just got to trust the process. Um, Buffalo fans will tell you we're stupid. Buffalo fans will tell you that hey, your Browns are doing the Brown stuff right now. But honestly, he was a, he was a big part of what they did. He was up until last season. So um, I'm interested um, and I'm very, I'm curious to see how it all plays out, especially from what you hear coming out already. It's, we're going to throw the ball a lot. It's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of airing it out again. So I'm interesting. I like some of the schemes that he had in Buffalo. I mean, they were explosive offense. They the last, were, man. What, three years? And Josh Allen was a kid coming out of, I mean, we had an opportunity to draft him and everything you heard was, you know, big arm, but we're not sure. You yeah. know, we're not sure if it'll all translate together. And, and after right year away, one, it, it was wasn't. like, oh boy. Yeah. For, yeah. First year, it was like, ah, uh, he maybe he's not that guy. Maybe he's just another one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And then he he has ascended um, in a special way. Does he turn the ball over a lot? Yeah, maybe. But man, he is he is insane. He is one of one of the most fun players to watch uh, in this league. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Kubiak there too, and. 
I, I was reading some stuff about him. And while I was interested as well, then, you know, there was the connection between Stefanski and his dad, Gary Kubiak from Minnesota. Correct, and it yeah. was like, do we want more of the same? I think Kevin's trying to diversify. You know, that's the thing with <laughs> Kevin that you always hear Andrew Barry say, he's always, he's willing to learn. He's willing to grow and adapt. So I don't think he's, everybody kind of gets this impression of Kevin that he's stuck in his ways and he refuses yep. to give out play calling. And also, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And, I forget, I, maybe it was Blake the other night, somebody made the point that, you know, Kevin Stavansky in his first four years on his first contract with the Browns, the only way he's he's coming in here on a play calling acumen, you know what I mean? Like that's been his resume. He's not giving that to somebody unless he truly trusts them because he's trying to get a second contract. You know, he Correct. wants to be an extended head coach in this league. So you kind of stick to what you do well unless you feel like you can really trust that other person. You know, we brought in Gerard Johnson who ended up going on a ton of interviews with other teams didn't sign anywhere. Nobody hired him. He went back to Houston to be the QB coach. Bobby Slowick yep. was the offensive coordinator down there in Houston. He's not leaving he to be stayed. a head coach. So, you know, yeah. some of these guys, you know, their names get thrown out there. We get excited about them. And then you kind of see them go through the progressions with these other teams. Nothing happens. And it's like, well, maybe there's a reason for that. And the Browns also saw that reason. Yep. Just a quick question. Just throw it at you. Do you think that Kevin calls plays next year? I do. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, do I know there's still I all this too. speculation like, well, Kevin's still tossing it around. He could, he couldn't, he might give it up. I doubt he does. Um, there's definitely no strings attached here. It's not like they they promised Dorsey he'd be able to call plays if he came in because right. they didn't and he's here. So I think it's going to work either way. I have definitely come around on Kevin play, as a play caller, I think, after watching this season especially. And we've watched it so closely and it was our fourth season now doing Cleveland Browns football mm -hmm. and you see the play calls and then you see the execution on the field. And then when they show replays, you look at it from different angles. It's like what Kevin called here worked. Right. Like players botched didn't it. execute. Yeah. yeah. So as far as play calling goes, I I'm cool with it. If he keeps it. I agree. I agree completely. Okay. So let's shift gears here. This happened the, the whole stump Mitchell thing. Okay, Th this this one we haven't talked about yet on the show. It happened. Yeah. It didn't even happen last week. I think it was the week before all this kind of yeah. came out, and we haven't really addressed it at all. Um, which is, I don't know what you want to say about that. We we've met him. We've met Stump. We hung right. out with him. We've had a we've had him on the show. We've had a conversation with him. You know, we hung out with him at training camp. Like we we've been around this guy a little bit, and. The the heat he was taking for his comments, I didn't totally understand because it just didn't seem like him. From what from when we met him, yeah. he seemed so down to earth, so passionate about his guys. And then all the stuff came out. Well, he's throwing cream under the bus. He's throwing shade. He's talking shit. And and I saw all that and thought that's really weird. It just doesn't seem like him. And then I actually went and watched the interview. Did you watch the interview? Mm -hmm. I watched some of it. Okay. I didn't like, I didn't watch the entire thing, but I've, I watched so, like the juicy, the juicy parts. Right. So of I've it, got, you the, know? I've got the two juicy clips, uh, with, okay. with, you know, with stump talking about cream hunt and the way I'll just kind of preface it this way, the way it came up in the conversation, I've, I feel like stump is intentional about what he says. And I don't feel like, yes. but I also don't I feel agree. like he came into the, or into this interview saying, no matter what I'm calling cream hunt, you know, cream out in this interview. I don't, that's not, that was, that's malicious. I don't feel like that happened. I feel like as the conversation was going, 
he thought, I think I have an opportunity here to try to get through to Kareem, which I'll just play this first clip. Like I said, we got yeah. two. I'll play the first one and we'll just kind of talk about it. I really believe I got an opportunity to get the most out of everybody except for Kareem so far. I think Kareem has a lot to offer, uh, but I think what he needs to do is uh, dedicate himself to getting all that he can get and don't settle for being who he's been in the past. And I think he'll be a one hell of a player. What has your philosophy been to try to unlock that from them? Uh, to try to uh, talk to, I would say first starting with Jacoby Brissett, uh, then to Deshaun, uh, to anyone else that can try to get a hold to him uh, so he can hear uh, someone else's voice other than mine. And, you know, that's all that's all it can do. Yikes. I, I mean, it's it's not good. Yikes, now, right? Be- before, I guess before we go on, I will say, I, I think he probably shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I mean, right, I think right? that's pretty fair to say. Like, you know, I, I, it probably pops up in your head during the conversation. Hey, I think I'll mention Kareem here. Maybe second guess that. Maybe you know, take two seconds and, and think about what you're going to say. <laughs> but I, I think it's just it's very. I think you nailed something very important there while you were leading it up. I, I agree with you. I feel like he's a guy that's he really, really thinks a lot about like what he's going to say, and he's very deliberate with his words, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I when I heard this, it, I, it almost I was surprised because it just seemed so. From what, you know, it just seemed kind of like an outer character kind of thing. But yeah. like, I honestly, then I look back and I go, maybe they, he's trying to kind of open the door up and let, you know, let some light in on some things. Cause we had Kareem. We, a lot of Browns players like Kareem a lot, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that, you know, we all like him, but they decided, Hey, we're not going to bring him back. He lost this step. That was what we heard. Yep. Um, Maybe, maybe there's a little bit more to it, you know, maybe, because it sounds like he's a guy that, you know, kind of just shows up, goes through the motions and goes home. I, and I, I, you look at his performance and for like, he, he wasn't the same guy, right? This year. But no. at the end of the year, he still had 10, 11 touchdowns. Like, I mean, he's still, he's still a haul right at the, in the, in, in the red zone. Like if it's at the two, three yard line, book it, it's a touchdown. Like, so I, I just felt like it was very surprising for him to, you know, go say Kareem, you know, and then just kind of go through those things because it sounds like maybe there there was a work ethic thing. Maybe there was something going on there where he he felt like he tried to get more out of him and he just couldn't get through to him, especially then to say, hey, I talked to Jacoby and I talked to Deshaun and I tried to get these guys to get him bought in. And, you know, and then it's just, I think it's just really, it's just interesting. It's very surprising because... Mm-hmm. I figured I didn't think we'd hear anything, you know, and then like, man, there was a lot of there was a lot of juicy content there. There sure was. I, I mean, when we talked to him before the season started, you know, Nick Chubb was still healthy. Nick Chubb was still the lead guy and everything was was rosy and good to go. And we had him on the show and we talked to him a lot about Nick Chubb. And that was kind of our main focus. And he and like he answered our questions about Nick and he talked Nick up and and told us what we wanted to know about Nick. But he really made sure he emphasized how important Jerome Ford was to the offense. Yes. How important John Kelly was. He even went as far as to hype up Demetric Felton at the time, who ended up not even making the team. He was very focused on making sure everybody knew that those running backs, that his guys were good guys and they were good players and he wanted them recognized. And you know, he talked, he mentioned Kareem because he talked about, you know, last year, what, what you, what Nick and Kareem could do. That's what 
Nick and Jerome can do. He kind of used that right. as a comparison. Like Jerome Ford can do what Kareem Hunt did. And I didn't really think about it too much at, until this stuff came out about Kareem's work ethic. But you're right. That, that's got to be a, a contributing factor to why they did not bring him back immediately this year until until we had to. Right. And like you said, he especially John Kelly, like he he really like kind of like gave us a behind the scenes look about like really I that was a guy I was like, man, maybe this dude's gonna end up sneaking onto the active roster mm-hmm. and like being an important part of this team because some like the things that he said about him I mean, he you, he really loved his game. He he, and he was like, if he gets an opportunity, he's going to be special in this league. And I was like, man, that's crazy because this guy has been on the practice squad, you know, for two years now, three years now. So, uh, it just just interesting. I don't, I wish him not, nothing but the best. He was a great guy, oh, great, yeah. great, fun interview, super nice. Like, I mean, can't say enough good things about him. I'm. We've already said we're, you know, it's a, I feel like it's a tough loss for the team, but, you know, there, I think there's an opportunity that comes out of this. Nothing just happens because, oh, yeah, we just got to, we got to, you know, try something fresh. I think they just, they, t- they looked, they were looking for something new. They were looking for maybe just a, a rebirth kind of on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, unfortunately, he was one of the, you know, staff casualties in that. Yeah. So, you know, we, both of us keep talking about this work ethic thing and let me play this second clip because that's kind of where that okay. gets brought up. So I'll play this and then we'll, we'll keep talking about it. The thing that I couldn't do while I was there uh, is get the best out of Kareem. If they bring him back, I hope the, uh, the next coach will be able to get the best out of Kareem. Uh, as a coach, all you want to do is to make a player better. Uh, but I wasn't able to get him to not be the last guy in meetings, uh, not to be out uh, at practice on time. Uh, Kareem's a hell of a player, but this is a team game, you know, and, and I tried to use every avenue that I could with uh, Jacoby Brissett, also Deshaun, those guys talking to her. But timing in this business is everything. So a couple points there with that. One, Kareem Hunt did just undergo... Um, uh, sports hernia surgery. So yep. we knew he was dealing with an injury all week. Though. I see a lot of people, as soon as people start, you know, we posted too about it on Twitter about the, you know, he had surgery for the injury and everything. And people are saying, well, you know, maybe Stump Mitchell should have known that he was injured. Guys, he knew he was injured. He was on the freaking injury report every week. Trust me. We looked right. at the injury bye, reports every bye, week. Bye, yeah, it was bye. always the same thing. And we knew he, we knew he was hurt, but the injury does not stop you from coming to meetings on time, does not stop you from coming to practice on time. And it seems like that was the big thing that Stump was really trying to get out of cream was, look, this is a team thing. Everybody else is here. Everybody else is putting in the work. You need to be here. Whether you're injured or not, you need to be here. We expect, you know, as a leader of this team, we expect you to be here. And uh, this obviously was not just a one-year thing because twice he mentioned trying to get Jacoby Brissett to talk to him. Well, that wasn't this year. That was last year. So it was a two-year situation with Kareem Hunt. And again, he we love Kareem. Everybody in Cleveland loves Kareem Hunt. And it's, I guess I'll just throw this out there. It's interesting because the people that always say they hate Deshaun Watson and can't root for him for his off-the-field stuff, I say, did you root for Kareem? (laughs) But anyway, so in Don't do that. (laughs) Hey, I'm just trying to make a point. No, I know, I know. Trust me. I went down that road. Trust me. 
with multiple Browns players I, and, and NFL players in general, yeah. you know, they're beloved. But no, the, the crazy thing is he, it's reiterated. You know, the second clip is a, it's the same. I know. It's the same thing. It's it's very it's very emphasized. It's like that's what I mean. Like I think there there's a little something to it, and um, it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's definitely I guess like if if you're on your way out, it's just surprising, you know. Cause yeah. We like we we like Kareem Hunt. We think Kareem Hunt's great. We think he lost a step for sure. And he you lost know, two he definitely steps. doesn't yeah, he doesn't look like the same guy. And you know, maybe maybe he hasn't been healthy all year, but you know, I it's just very it's very surprising. Yeah. Especially to hear it again. Like it it is brought right back to that same point, you know, mm. that he just he he tried everything he could and couldn't. And this is one of the like He's just kind of one of the best that everybody says he's one of the best running back coaches in the league. Like this isn't like just, you know, a, a second year, third year coach, you know, like a, this is a guy that like, you know, people call him the running back whisperer. Like he's, and he'll get another job. I, I would think so, you know, but um, I don't know. There's, there's definitely something there. Yeah. I, I know in the interview and, you know, you, you say he'll get another job and I think he could if he wanted it, but at one point in the interview, he brought up that he's 65 years. I think she was asking him, like, what's the future? He's like, I, you know, I just turned yeah. 65. And he almost, the at least what I took away from what he didn't say was he might honestly be at the age where he's like, you know, I'm good. I don't need to keep, I don't need to coach. Yeah. Any, I don't need to keep doing this. I got, a, you know, family and other things I want to do. And if he decides to not to coach anymore, maybe that was also part of the reason why it's like, I'll just use this one last ditch effort. Because I did not hear, though, any malicious intent in what he said about Kareem. It was more of, I want Kareem to be a great player because I know what he's capable of. It, it was more of like that, you know, um, constructive criticism type thing rather yeah. than yeah. Kareem Hunt's a shitty player and, you know, he's a terrible teammate and he shouldn't even, he didn't say yeah, stuff yeah. like that. He basically just said, you know, I want the best for Kareem. Kareem could be so much better than what he is. Okay. Did he kind of call him out? Yes. But did sure. he say anything? Twice. Yeah, twice. But I mean, I don't feel like it was nasty stuff that he said about him. It just, I don't, to me, it just kind of struck like he was disappointed and he was kind of letting it out. I agree. I, I there, and you know, you, you kind of reflect right at the end of things like that. And, you know, maybe that was like one of the things that I think that is like kind of one of the things that he's taking away from this was like, he wasn't. I, I don't know personally what was going on between those two. You know, there's obviously some type of friction there or, you know, not alignment, but <laughs> right. maybe he's just looking back and going, you know, hey, you know, that was that was something that I've always tried to get accomplished and just never was able to break through. Um, but I the thing is, I don't think you'll hear really anything more than this. This is this will be something that Browns fans will just kind of regurgitate and bring up, you know, like let's say Kareem's not on the team next year. It'll be a talking point. Let's say we call him a few weeks into the year and say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we need a little bit of running back depth. Jerome Ford's not producing like we thought or, you know, who, whatever. This episode is brought to you by Manly Bands. Browns fans, I have an exciting new sponsorship partner for you guys, and it is crazy how it all happened, okay? So I'm getting married soon. 
I went to pick out my wedding band. I did not know that the cost of gold was the highest it's ever been. So, you know, when the rings I, I liked and they pulled out of the case and showed me and I, I turned it over, saw the price tag and they were $1,600. Yeah, I essentially crapped my pants and ran out of there. I hate jewelry stores. I hate the salespeople. I hate the selection. We went and again, true story here, seven different stores looking for a ring and all of them had the most pathetic selection imaginable for men. So I said, screw it. I went to manlybands.com and everything after that point was an incredible experience. Their selection is huge. All sorts of styles, materials. Guys, they have wedding bands made from Jack Daniels whiskey barrels, meteorites, and even dinosaur bones. They also have a huge selection of the tungsten rings that everybody likes, cobalt chrome, and gold. And the best part was the customer service was some of the best I've ever received. In a world of AI and bots, Manly Bands keeps it real with real freaking people. The whole experience was so awesome, I asked if we could advertise for them on the show, and here we are. Screw those jewelry stores and those salespeople. Manlybands.com. Use promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, for a whopping 25% off your order. Whether you've already got a band or you're getting married in the future, check out what they have. Also, you can order a free ring size guide, and they'll ship it straight to you. So you know exactly what size ring you need. And again, never step foot in a jewelry store. And also for you big fellows with the big hands, guys, they got rings up to size 20. Rings come with free engraving in the U.S., and they send you a free silicone band with your order. It's unreal. These guys are the best. Manlybands.com. Promo code DOGS for 25% off your order. Me and Justin are going to give you our top five Ohio athlete legends. And I don't know how you have your list set up, but if you're able to, I'd like to go... Five to one. Does that make sense? Um, I can try to make that happen. You can try to make. Okay. So I'll give, I can try that. I'll give my number five and then okay. you give your number five and we'll kind of go back and forth. How's that? We can try to make that work. Yeah. Okay, cool. So if we've got any overlap here, again, we haven't talked about this. I have no idea who's on Justin's list nor he mine. And if we have overlap, that's cool. But I've got some notes on my number five, four, and three. My number two and one are what I deem as no notes needed. So we will get to that. But number five for me is AJ Hawk from the Ohio State. AJ Hawk. Buckeyes. Interesting. So I just put in here, AJ Hawk from Kettering, Ohio, played high school at Centerville, College at oh, the Ohio State, of course, for the Buckeyes. Freshman on the twenty or two thousand and two national championship team, first team All Big Ten from sophomore to senior. In two thousand and five, he won the Lombardi Award for best linebacker in college. Went number five overall in the two thousand and six draft by the Packers. He finished third in voting for the Defensive Rookie of the Year award that year, and he was on the Super Bowl forty five championship team for the Packers in 2010. So I got AJ Hawk at number five. For me, uh, I'm, I might be a little biased here. I went with CJ McCollum. And oh, I don't know if I that's going to resonate at him. all for you. Yeah. CJ McCollum, kid that I went to high school with, I didn't go to the, at the same year as him. I, he, he uh, was about six years younger than me. So he was more with uh, like my sister's age uh, group. But um, a kid that like came up through Stark County, I'm from Stark County. Um, once I came over to the States, originally out of the UK, uh, shout out all my British, uh, you know, <laughs> British people out there. But um, a kid that like, you knew he was going to be good. Um, and then, holy crap, like just 
just he never kind of slowed down. Like he he was really good in high school, but he was kind of smaller and then kind of got bigger. And then just his college career was epic. And then he's still very, very good in the NBA. I kind of I, I mean, I wouldn't put him in like uh, you know, 50 greatest of all time type deal, but like a a guy that's he's good though. A, a good guy player in the NBA. Yeah. And especially like somebody that, you know, like grew up, I don't know five, 10 minutes from, you know, where I live now. It's pretty, it's pretty epic. That's pretty cool. So at number four, I've got Josh Cribs. Now this one deviates from, he's the only one on my list who wasn't born or grew up in Ohio, but he, you know, he was born in Washington, DC, played high school in DC, but he came to Kent state, which is just up the road from us, right, mm-hmm. right up close to you. And that's yes. where he played college. I, stuff about Josh Cribbs, I didn't realize he was the only player in NCAA history to lead his team in both rushing and passing in four different seasons. He set Kent State's single season combined yardage record in 2003, which then Julian Edelman beat him in 2008. Both those guys were quarterbacks. Um, he was a UDFA by the Browns in 2005, return specialist, one of the best of all time, 11,113 kickoff yards, 2,375 punt return yards, and 11 total return touchdowns. So, you know, he went to Kent State in Ohio, played for the Browns in Ohio. He's still in Ohio doing Cleveland things, and I love me some Josh Cribbs. Okay, I'm keeping it local again. All right. Um, keeping it local, another guy that I went uh, that went to the same high school that I did. Oh, geez. Uh, shout, out, shout out Glen Oak High School. Um, in Stark County, Canada, Ohio, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Ohio state. Great. Dustin Fox. There we go. I was hoping he was on Keep, your list. I'm keeping it low. I'm keeping it local. You know, I'm trying to, well, at least for now. Dude. So Dustin Fox was so much fun to watch at Ohio state. And that's why I had AJ Hawk on my list because, you know, I was, <laughs> I was young when those guys were playing football and whenever, even now, honestly, whenever somebody on defense can captivate you and make you want to watch defense, because offense is fun to watch, right? Offense is, is what right. everybody wants to see the most of and everything. But when there's a guy on defense, it's like, I can't wait till the defense is out there. That was AJ Hawk for me. And I'm t- I, Dustin Fox is right there too. Dustin Fox. Um, I watched, uh, I watched him play. Uh, I, I went to every game in uh, his senior season, basically. They were, our team was really, really good that year. He was our running back and he was an absolute stud. He was like one of those guys, like he was just the one of the most athletic guys on the field. Yep. Every play, you know what I mean? And uh, so he was our running back and also uh, safety. But my God, just fun to watch. And then just to, like you said, like just his career progression. Um, and then just he's a local guy. He's always tied up with Cleveland sports, Ohio State. Um, so for me, I'm probably like, there's going to be people like, Hey, are you an idiot? You know, you left out some of these names and I already see one that I'm like, shit, I fucked up. (laughs) Dustin Fox should not be over this person. So maybe I'll three, a at three B it or something. I'll just add people. We'll just do a top six, you know, I don't know, but (laughs) I've got honorable mentions at the end. I've got uh, honorable mentions, honorable mentions, like number one type honorable mentions. So for number three, for me is Troy Smith. Troy Smith was, Probably until like a guy like CJ Stroud came around and I loved watching Justin Fields too, but Troy Smith was my all time favorite quarterback at Ohio state to watch. He was so much fun to watch. He, uh, I put in here born to born in Columbus, but they moved to Cleveland. He actually started at St. Edward 
high school in Lakewood. I didn't know this, but he got kicked off the football team because he elbowed a kid in the head during a varsity basketball game. Must have been intentional because he got himself kicked Whoops. off. So then he transferred <laughs> to Glenville, which Ted Ginn Sr. was the coach. He played with Ten Gid Jr., you know, who also went to Ohio State. He redshirted his first year. He was on that 02 national championship team. He actually started out playing as a running back for Ohio State. And then, we, do you remember Justin Zwick? Absolutely. All he right, was a so Maslin Tiger in Stark County, Ohio. He was like one of the best quarterback. quarterback recruits in the entire nation. Goes to Ohio State. So, Troy Smith, just his backup. And then Zwick gets hurt. Smith comes in. And the rest is kind of history, though. He did get suspended for uh, taking money from a booster, which I guess now wouldn't be a big deal. But the, the dude just lit it up. In 05, he had the highest, fourth highest passer rating in the nation, 162.66, offensive MVP of the Fiesta Bowl. And then in 06, won the Davey O'Brien Award for best college quarterback, had a 3-0 and record against Michigan, which we love. He was the first quarterback, I didn't know this, first quarterback since 1936 to win three straight games against Michigan. He won the Heisman that year, second largest margin of victory in Heisman voting in history. And the first was OJ Simpson. So other than those two, you know what I mean? The, the margin of victory was huge. And uh, sadly, lost the 07 national championship to Florida, to Urban Meyer, you know, whatever. Mm, Ended up being uh, a fifth uh, round uh, pick by the Ravens. He just, his, his career in the NFL didn't really materialize. Right. I think, honestly, I think he would have been a much better fit for today's NFL than back then. I agree. I agree. Uh, so for me, at number three, I'm going to go 3A, 3B. Okay. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. Oh, the, okay. the Kelsey brothers out of Westlake, Ohio. Yep. Um, I mean, can we, do we really even have to go into it? You know, like, Probably the one of the best centers of all time, arguably the best tight end of all time. Probably Local all famous, kids. both of them. Yeah, both love, love, love. Uh, you know, Cleveland sports, Ohio sports, and uh, also have a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, good for them. If you're doing podcasts, that's the way to go. That's we the way. That. Yeah, they're doing it. They're doing it right. <laughs> it's pretty entertaining. All right, go ahead, big dog. All right, at number two again. Now we've entered my. I don't need notes for these guys, but number two is LeBron James. Akron St. Vincent, St. Mary. I mean, this guy, okay. This when he was in high school, he was all the rage. I mean, people would travel from all over the state, probably other states too, just to come in to watch his high school games because he was that big of a phenomenon. And it was, is he going to be able to take what he's doing in high school into the NFL? And he goes at 18 years old, or NFL, NBA, 18 years old, straight into the NBA to the Cavaliers, stays in Ohio, stays in Cleveland, and just dominates. And arguably the best basketball player of all time now. I, I mean, his career has been extraordinary. Damn, you have LeBron James at number two? I do, because oh when, my, my God. number one I, is so, a personal oh, oh. favorite, lifelong favorite athlete of all time. So okay. that's why. But okay. If we're going on career, just achievements, I mean, of course LeBron would be one, but I got him at two. Okay. I got him at two. Okay. Oh, okay. So at number two for me, this is uh, a legend of one of the games that I actually like to play when I'm just out drinking in the summer uh, <laughs> golf. The uh, majors most winning uh, golfer ever, Jack Nicholas, Ohio native. No kidding. Born in Ohio. Okay. The Golden Bear, baby. 18 major wins. We thought that that was going to come down and then Tiger Woods ran into some issues, but you know, it's Jack, you know? Yeah. It's the Golden Bear. Stud. 
Good one. Straight stud. That's cool, man. I'm that. That's interesting, man. You got yourself a good list. I like that. I he was born in Columbus, Ohio, so you know it's not like he was you know up the road or anything. But right about hey. two and a half hours up the road home. That was home base. Nice. So my number one. You ready for who got one over I'm, LeBron? I'm super. I, I have no idea where you're going to go with this. <laughs> number one, a guy that I just couldn't get enough of growing up was Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey really? Jr. Okay. Uh, okay. was not born in Ohio, but moved to Cincinnati when Correct. he was like yeah. three years old, played high school in Cincinnati. His dad played for the Reds. You know, he ended up getting drafted by the Mariners, but then came back and played most of his career with the Reds. Ken Griffey Jr. made baseball baseball for me when I was a kid. I mean, I, I loved all the players. I followed baseball a lot when I was a kid. I don't give mm-hmm. two shits about it now, but he, he was just, he was that guy for me. I, the way his his batting stance, I wanted to be Ken yes. Griffey Jr. I wanted to play center field. I I'm a right-handed thrower. I wanted to throw left-handed. I wanted to be Ken Griffey Jr. And hat backwards, hey, bro. Yeah, I wore my hat backwards to school all the time, man. There's yes. a there's a swagger about him. I mean, the and it's still, I think he kind of set the tone for you know many generations of future baseball players. I know as a kid, when you were playing baseball, like in the backyard, that's the guy you wanted to be. You yes. know what I mean? When you lined up. Yep. Hall of Famer now. So I just, Ken Griffey Jr., number one for me. What about you? Uh, for me, personally, it's it's got to be LeBron James. Okay. I figured um, that's, that's who you had at one. It's, uh, it's LeBron James. And only just because it's a crazy story. Literally 15 minutes up the road for me, this kid was born. Uh, tough, you know, like tough life. Phenom in high school. Like people were talking about him when he was like 11, 12 years old. And then you watched as, as like a Cleveland fan and like a a fan of Ohio sports, I got to watch this kid's like journey all the way up and like the doubters and everything. And you watch just how special he was. And you just, when he was with the Cavs the first time, you just, you were like, God, we're so lucky to have this guy, but we just can't, we can't get enough around him to actually, you know, it was always just something, something would happen. You know, it was always, we ran into an Orlando team or, a San Antonio team in the finals. And it was just, mm. it was tough. And then to like finally bring one home, like in 2016 to bring a title home to Cleveland. Like for me, I I swear to people, I tell people all the time, like I, that was something I like had put to bed that I would never get to see a Cleveland sports title in my life. So to get to see that, like, it was just so special, man. Like I, I literally, I can't, I t- like tell my kids like joking around, like I make them watch Believe Land and I like walk them through like how special those days were. Cause I, I really don't know. I like to believe that we'll see another title, but like, I'll always remember that parade, man. I'll always remember like, I was me, Blake, John, like we all went up there. We parked in uh Cleveland Indians employee parking lot and <laughs> snuck into the parade basically. And I've just... Like I, it was surreal at the time, but like, it doesn't even feel like, even to this day, it wasn't even like real life. Like I, you have to like pinch yourself sometimes to remember like that, that actually did happen in like an incredible series. Like, and to me, like Michael Jordan was incredible. Don't we all like Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, but like I personally root for LeBron James as the best of all time, because it's just special that he was that close you know, to home and everything and has become the player he is. It's, it's an incredible story. It, it really is. It really is. He would have been one for me, but I had, to, I had to save it for Ken, but 
We, we, we left a couple off too. We did. Like, so we've got some honorable mentions and I will tell you right now that my, the ones I listed out just that I wanted to throw out there after my yeah. official list was done. These are what I, I kept this list intentional. These are, I have five guys that are local, five guys that are mm-hmm. from where I grew up. And one of them, two of well, one of them, I definitely grew up with. So this list is kind of specific to that, but who do you have as honorable mentions? There's two and you could honestly put them like easy top three, both of them. And you could even make the argument like top two. Okay. It's that. So number one, like the one, the first one, Steph Curry, hate him or love him. He completely changed the game. He was born in Akron, Ohio. That's right. Um, I um, I mean, you can make the argument. I know for a while people were making the argument that he was right there at LeBron's level. I disagree with that personally, but different players um, for sure. Yeah. You know, but, completely revolutionized the game of basketball. It completely changed like the coaching, how you attack as far as like with the three point shot, like he, he can shoot it from anywhere in the gym. Yep. So I, a guy that definitely probably deserves to be way higher up my list, but I kept it local, you know, at the beginning with five and four. Um, and then another one, you know, Simone Biles. Oh, born okay. In Columbus, Ohio world. I mean, world renowned gold medalist gymnast. Um, another one that I saw and I was like, damn, she's like the best of the best in her sport. Like she definitely probably deserves to be in this list, but I was like, just give me, uh, you know, give me, give me the Kelsey brothers, but no disrespect (laughs) to her. Another, I mean, elite, elite world athlete, um, and born in Ohio. Cool. So I'll just kind of run through these real quick. First, this is like my, I wanted him on my list, but Percy, if you're listening, I, I promise you, you you saw my list, so you understand. But Percy Garner, uh, mm-hmm. I went to high school with Percy, played baseball and football with him throughout since we were little kids. He ended up going to Ball State, playing baseball and football, pursued baseball, which, I mean, the guy was a hell of a quarterback, but as a pitcher, he was dominant. He was the most dominant pitcher I've ever seen. And, you know, in our age group and he ended up getting drafted by the Philadelphia Phillies. Then he came over and got signed by Cleveland in that 2016 World Series run. Pitched for the Indians in September. It was so much fun watching him up there balling out. And you know, now I, you know, we do podcasts together and everything. So Percy is definitely a, a local guy that is on my favorite Ohio athlete list. I've got C. Grant who played for the yeah. Ohio State Buckeyes. He's from the town right next to me. I've done a podcast with him before and Percy. He played for the Saints in the NFL. Just one hell of an athlete. He was on that championship team too in 02. I've got Zach Caleros, one of the most electric athletes I've ever seen. He played quarterback and safety for uh, Steubenville uh, Red Riders. And then he ended up going and playing for Cincinnati, the Bearcats in college. And he's still playing quarterback. He's the starting quarterback for the Winnipeg something or other. I was going to say CFL, right? Yeah, CFL. He's been the quarterback. I remember quarterback. we talked he's, about him for Cleveland yeah, Browns quarterbacks, yeah, possibly. He's got, he's got championships up there. Like, he's one of the best quarterbacks in that Canadian league. And it's just so crazy to think, like, I played against this guy in high school. And it's wild. It, it is wild. And then I've got, uh, let's see, Denton True Young. Do you know who that is? I have no idea who that is, bro. Inform me. Denton True Young is Cy Young. Was actually oh, born wow. and raised, grew up just about 15 minutes. What would that be? East of where I grew up. They've got mm-hmm. a whole museum there in Newcomerstown, Ohio, dedicated to Cy Young. So he's an Ohio guy. Grew up there. No kidding. And then last, uh, probably a guy you're familiar with, Corey Gerbrandt. 
Oh, yes, very familiar. <laughs> oh, MMA no, fighter. About, oh no, no love. Is that no who love. you're talking That's about? Oh, talking no love, Garbrandt, yep. UFC uh, champion. Yep. Man, at one point, man, I he was hell on wheels. Like nobody could stop that dude. And he unfortunately ran into a juiced up TJ Dillashaw twice. Or I think that his UFC career, I mean, he's still fighting. He's got, um, he just actually fought recently, maybe a month ago, just watched him. Uh, a guy like in this area, people get behind. He's, he's from pretty much right down the road. Like what, 45, I'd say probably 40 minutes south for me, all the way down to uh, Yorksville. But yeah, which is uh, like 15 minutes from where I fighter. Grew up. Yep. Like for a guy that weighs 135 pounds yeah. and can absolutely put you to sleep like knock you the hell out immediately crazy good fighter um tj dillashaw did steroids that's a real thing <laughs> so i mean the thing is the list can go on and on and on with these ohio athletes i mean we've seen a lot of great players in different sports coming out of this state and it's been a ton of fun so if you guys got your own favorite athletes from Ohio, drop them in the comments. Yes. We want to know, you know, if it's on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, I know it's on Spotify, you can leave comments, drop them in there and we'll talk about them in a future episode because I'm sure there's a ton of players, ton of people that we've left off of this list. Like I said, some of these oh, are really sure. close and near and dear to like me and where I grew up and, and Justin too. So let us know who you got. We want to hear from everybody on this one. Hey, Browns fans, this is your daily mental health check. If you're struggling with anything, it does not matter. It doesn't matter how big it might seem or how small you might think it is. If it's bothering you, if something's on your mind, if something is stopping you from living the fullest life you can live right now, you need to do something about it. And talk therapy can be a great avenue to get yourself back on track. I'm talking about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. Trust me, guys, I've been there. I know how uncomfortable it can be to go to somebody's office, sit in a chair and talk about feelings. It's just not, it's not easy to do. And what BetterHelp is great for is giving you the options to communicate with a specialist, a therapist, a trained person in a way that is comfortable for you. You can text message, you can give them a phone call, voice chat, face chat, like a FaceTime with your, with your therapist. The options are just so much better, especially with how busy everybody is and you're moving, you're on the go. You don't always have time to schedule these appointments and get to somebody's office. BetterHelp gives you so many more options to experience all the benefits of talk therapy. If you've even been thinking a little bit about trying it, it is worth a try. And again, like I've been saying, if it's not for you, just try it for like the first month and then it, it, you just cancel. It's okay. It, it's not for everybody. But like I, I've told you, if it is for you, it can change your life. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dogs, D-A-W-G-S, gets you 10% off your first month. You deserve to live the best life you can possibly live. And talk therapy could be that thing that helps you get past whatever it is you're dealing with right now. Head to betterhelp.com slash dogs to get 10% off that first month. I told somebody at work today, watching the Ravens lose is almost much, as much fun as watching the Browns win. Uh, there, there's, I, I, was going, I was playing some online gaming the other night, and I said my three fa least favorite teams in all of sports are, it's the Baltimore, in no particular order, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, the new Philadelphia Quakers. <laughs> Sorry if there's anybody watching from over there. And, uh, and the Baltimore Ravens. Some people are like, where are the Steelers? 
They're not in my top three. I freaking hate the Ravens. So um, just quickly, first of all, like if you're not, if you weren't going to win it this year, this, all I heard is this is their best team ever that Lamar's ever had. Todd Monken was supposed to be the savior. All I heard was about how good Todd Monken was. $15 million for OBJ. Everybody wants to, everybody in Baltimore wants Monken fired now. <laughs> just, just like it was Greg Roman's fault. It's all of a sudden t- right. they're talking. Now the game plan was trash. But maybe there's a reason they get to playoff time and, and things go right. Lamar Jackson postseason stats. Um, we're going to talk Lamar here. Two and four record, 1,328 passing yards, six passing touchdowns, six interceptions, only a 59% completion percentage, 72 rush attempts, 516 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, six fumbles, and a 76 rating. It, two, two wins in his career. So they're like, yeah, we got to the AFC Championship game. You won one game. You just, you know, nobody else could beat you. We're the last team to beat you uh, in the regular season because you're, you know, admittedly, you're the regular season champs. Congrats. Every year, regular season champs. Um, Just maybe don't come on and run your mouth all the time. (laughs) You know, know. like we we get on our our own Browns podcast Mm -hmm. and we like to talk about our team and we hype up our own team on our own Browns podcast. (laughs) You know what I never, ever do? Go to a Ravens podcast and talk about how good the Browns are. You know why I wouldn't do that? Because we'd look stupid at a time like this. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have better things to do with my life than spend it on a Ravens podcast. <laughs> so again, it, we, we tried to tell you it, it's just, and listen, I Lamar's postseason stats are not good. I, that being said, I think I, I never look forward to playing him. He's very good, very electric. And I think he's come a long way in passing. The problem is, is, if you watch that that game last night, the Chiefs they they do kind of like what the Browns do is they weren't rushing to sack, they're rushing to contain, and Lamar has come a long way in his passing, like from his rookie season to now. I think he's way better. Okay, but he's still, and I just don't know if he's ever going to be a high level consistent pocket passer. He'll make two to three throws in a game from the pocket take his drop plant and he'll make a throw and you're like, holy crap. That was like, holy crap. That was a really good throw. But then there's going to be three to four to five other times where he just misses wide open throws. And if you're a defense, especially come playoff time, you're probably a high level defense. You're a well-coached team. You're a disciplined football team. Uh, You're going to be told we'll live with giving up these two to three plays as long as we, you know, we don't get burnt for a touchdown or whatever. But if we give up two to three chunk plays on him making amazing throws, we'll live with it because we know for a fact there's going to be four or five other times where he's just going to miss wide open guys and he's going to, he'll fumble or he'll press and make a bad decision. He'll turn it over. Um, And that, like that is, that's the monkey on his back right now. He's got a, and I just don't know if he'll ever be a high enough pocket passer to overcome that. And then for some reason, they just completely got away from what they did well. They were number one rushing team and they had like 15 rushing attempts. The Chiefs came in with a great plan on defense. They took that away. The Chiefs too, like, they didn't really take it away. Gus Edwards averaged like eight yards a carry or something. They just never gave him, they never gave him the ball. They, they I, I was looking at this. They, uh, I would like to know how many plays they ran where Lamar dropped back. And you're right. The Chiefs did a very good job of the contain. And he couldn't he couldn't get out wide and do his thing. 
you know, they kept pushing him back, pushing him back, pushing him back. A lot of times he was able to get rid of the ball, throw it out of bounds. But you had, Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards only had three carries <laughs> for 20 yards. What Justice Hill do? You have like three or four? Three carries for three yards. Now, Gus Edwards had a long of 15, so he had one carry for 15, then he had two more for a total of five. But three carries is not enough to get your running back in any kind of rhythm. In an entire game, what is Lamar throwing 37 times for? Uh, That's really high for him. So, and, and we tried to say, we tried to say this year, their offense was, he was throwing much more efficiently, but if you went back and you looked at a lot of his games, it was like, he's 21 of 25 for a, a buck 80. Exactly. Yep. You know what I mean? And that was getting the job done. And then you came out here and you tried to make him this, this, whatever he's not. And it, it cost you guys again. And I just don't know what to do because you, you, they, you, they just gave him a huge contract. You obviously, you can't move off of him because one, you're giving him a ton of money and two, Despite the, the 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 pitfalls to his game, I think he's a top five quarterback, like easy. Uh, and, and he's a guy like I definitely don't look forward to playing against. No. So I just don't know what they do. Like, I, I don't know what they do. You can't fight. I mean, Harbaugh is too good of a coach. You just brought in Monken. Are you going to fire him and go find somebody else who comes up with a new game plan? Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where they go from here. I do know. I don't think like offensively, they're very good defensively and they play very hard and very, very physical. And Zay flowers looks like he's going to be pretty freaking good. Yeah, I think so. Okay. He just needs to not be so stupid. <laughs> okay. But like, uh, their second leading receiver was Nelson Aguilar with one catch for 39 yards. Right. Aguilar is old. He's nothing. We said it at the beginning of the season when they assembled that wide receiver room, we were like, they were, you're going to do a high flying passing offense with this. Yes. It's, it's, there's no, outside of Lamar and Zay Flowers, there's nobody on that offense that scares you. Gus Edwards is a battering ram, and in the more carries you give him, if you're wearing a team down, he, he can run hard, and he'll score touchdowns from the one for you, but he's not explosive. I mean, the, their most explosive running back was uh, the dude who got hurt, who killed us for like three carries, and they quit giving him the ball. Oh, um, Mitchell? Mitchell. Um, they, they, offensively, outside of Lamar, they don't have, in Zay, they don't really have anybody who scares you. Odell doesn't scare you anymore. Like he's a, he's a solid like possession receiver, uh, number three receiver on your team. He made so much money this year, <laughs> to yes. do nothing, which is what we said was going to happen. Yes. So I I don't know what they do. Um, I did want to talk about for a second. We don't have to go crazy on each other, but you made a, <laughs> a, a post, and I immediately saw it. And I've seen some people. A lot of people have agreed with you, and a lot some of people. Pe- don't. Some people have come from my my point of thing. You don't have to read it verbatim if you don't want to, but just kind of give the people like, what did you? So did the you basic gist of of the post, and so I, I posted a clip when Lamar, after he threw the interception that pretty much ended the game for the Ravens, and he came to the sideline and slammed his helmet down. And I posted that clip and made a comment, and I'll say what it was here in a second. But I think that might have been the clip was misleading, and it, it the comment was taken out of context based on the clip. And what I said was, I've seen Lamar Jackson, one of the things I've been the most critical of about him throughout his career. And like you said, probably a top five quarterback in the league, definitely the most dangerous quarterback, the, the one I want to face the least because he can do what he can do on the ground is just... And it opens up passing things and all, all kinds of stuff. But I just, I feel like throughout his career, I see him get rattled very easily in games. And when he starts to get rattled, he struggles to come back from it. And he starts to come unglued. And 
I've, I've seen him throwing fits and stuff on those. And I'm not talking about after bad thing, you know, like the game is over getting upset during the game. And I, a lot of people have said, well, Tom Brady, you know, Peyton Manning, these guys have all Pat Mahomes throw stuff and screams and stuff too. And I said, I know, but they are all able, the good quarterbacks get emotional. That's okay. It's football, but they ran it back in. They're able to refocus and recalibrate, get back on the field and find a way to win. Hence they have Super Bowls championships, things of that nature. And Lamar just got the ever elusive second playoff win of his career. So my, my standpoint on this was one, I immediately said, dude, I've seen Tom Brady break 87 Microsoft surfaces in his life. And I just watched Pat Mahomes try to fight an official for the correct call, uh, <laughs> you know, a couple months ago. Um, and Peyton Manning, you know, used to freak out on Jeff Saturday and yell, damn it, Jeff, like mid-play and, and whatnot. Uh, and you're saying, like, they overcome to go win. I don't think Lamar's, like, temper tantrum, for lack of a better word, doesn't cause the unraveling, in my opinion. I think the his unraveling is what causes the temper tantrum. So you can say they're able to pull it back together and go win the game. They're just better. Okay. It's not like it's not like Lamar comes out, throws a, you know, throws a pick, and then like the rest of the game he's just like awful. I think he's playing bad up until that pick, and then he just continues to play bad. You know what I mean? I, mm. I've never been watching a game with Lamar where he's lighting the world on fire, and then all of a sudden he throws a pick, throws his helmet down, and is just ass the rest of the game. No, if if he if he has a meltdown in the third quarter and throws his helmet down, it's because he's been ass up until that point. And he just can't figure it out this game. And then he just continues to suck for the rest of the game. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the temper tantrum. I just think there's limits to his game. And especially if he finds himself down, I, I just talked about he's not a pure pocket passer. And right. that takes away his strength. You know what I mean? I, now, I do think the longer a game goes on and the longer he's struggling, he will maybe start to press more. You'll see him carry the ball looser. That's why, you know, they call him the fumble. He threw into triple coverage, even though they were moving the ball on a terrible INT. But um, I just don't think, I don't think it has anything to do with the temper tantrum. I think the temper tantrum is the cause of quarters of bad play leading up to that point. That, at least that's what I look at. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Dogs Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and follow us on Twitter at The Dogs Podcast. Get your thoughts on the show at thedogspodcast.com.